Hi, and welcome to the second episode in our Livewire series, Joshua Ship, uh, Leadership That Brings Change. So in our first episode, we looked at the principles of change and bringing change based on the life of Joshua. And I said that in this episode, we're going to get really practical. So you're going to hear all sorts of practical tips and exercises that you can do when you want to bring change. But I think the first question to ask ourselves is this, is it worth it? Is the change you're about to make worth the hassle that is inevitable? So last week I was in a meeting and I went for lunch with somebody who was um, interested in pays and they asked me the question, what's been the driving force of all the changes and the developments of pays over the last 20 years since the early 90s when we simply wanted to just get as many people as we could into schools. And obviously pays is, um, it's just grown up since then. There are many differences and changes that we've made. So I gave him an answer, a short answer, but I'm gonna read what is essentially my answer to that from um, something I wrote in the book, Havareem. Let me just read this to you. The world is not changing, the world has changed. At the end of the last century, in his book, Speed of Thought, Bill Gates declared that the key word for successful businesses in the 80s had been quality. In the 90s, it was innovation. And he prophesied that in the next century, it would be velocity. He suggested that the companies of the new century that would do best would be those who could respond quickest to the changing needs of its clients. I remember thinking to myself at that time how sad it is that the world responds so speedily to the Holy Customer and yet the church responds so slowly to the Holy Spirit. The world has changed. It is in some ways reverting. As the inventor Sir James Dyson said, reinvention requires a passionate anger that something does not work and something isn't working, is it? I think that's my answer. Uh, I've seen the gospel. I know the gospel works. I've seen it transform not just lives, but communities. And so to then see our application of the gospel um, not work frustrates me. And I think we, we need a, a kind of passionate anger when things are not working that we know could work and we have to bring change. But it's a risk because there are all sorts of consequences that come if the change you're trying to bring doesn't work, there's consequences for yourself as a leader, a sense of failure, a sense of bitterness, um, a concern that if others uh, bring change and have a success where you fail to bring change, uh, are, are people gonna think more highly of them? A kind of sense of inward hopelessness, um, anger towards those who didn't get on board, uh, maybe leading to disunity. For those you're leading, they can feel the same kind of things. They start to question your leadership. They get angry with those who made the plan fail if they were fully bought into it. There's a kind of bitterness. And I think quite often when you see disunity, it's quite often um, something that's a follow-up to when some change was brought that did not work. So for me, when you plan a change, it's not a flippant thing. You're kind of messing with people's lives quite often. You need to think through what those changes are gonna be. I think that's something that Joshua understood, and I think that was something he was prepared for. 
let's look at these two contrasting passages of scripture between Moses and Joshua. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and livestock drank. There are a couple of uh, reasons why people uh, think that Moses failed uh, to enter the promised land linked to this story. The common theme, I think there's more to it, but the common theme is that in some ways Moses was frustrated at the people uh, that he was leading and then struck the rock in such a way that we kind of glorify himself and, and show uh, to others that he he was making this thing happen rather than simply speak to the rock. You could say that Moses was really influenced by the people he was leading. When you look at Joshua, you see something slightly different. This is what Joshua says when speaking to the Israelites. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Ammonites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. For Joshua, his heart condition did not depend on the heart condition of those he led. He realised there were obstacles, he could see the obstacles, he probably understood those obstacles. I think he understood what was going on in the hearts and minds of the people he was leading. But that did not put him off. He just took account of them. And I think that's what we need to do in this next workshop. I want you to think about some kind of change you're hoping to bring and then begin to think through the obstacles. So let's look at this next workshop. First, choose a particular change that you want to bring in your work or in your world either with a group you lead or an individual you lead. It might be a program you want to introduce or a culture you want to change. Then secondly, decide which of these bricks from the obstacle wall are most likely to cause the highest resistance. Okay, so um, just quickly do that workshop, take about 10 minutes. Um, on the worksheet, you have vision cast, vision realized, and a huge wall of different bricks each one symbolizing a different form of resistance that you may find to change. So just highlight what are the three of them that we think we're going to hit most or already are coming across. And that's great when you've identified the problems because the next section is going to really help you think what to do about that resistance. Okay, great. So we've looked at why we want to bring change. For me, at least, it's um, just that desire to apply better uh, the gospel and the things that Jesus has said. And because I think we need a passionate anger to change things when they're not as good as they could be. Uh, we've also hopefully identified the kind of change you want to bring. And, and now you're more aware, perhaps, of some of the obstacles that are facing you. So let's get into the good stuff. Let's get into the things that help us bring change. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to um, share with you something called uh, the force field 
of change. Um, the way I'm going to do this is we're going to watch one of my hacks. I have a YouTube channel uh, of leadership hacks and muses, so short videos uh, which look at very practical ideas for leadership and we're going to show you one of those videos called The Force Field of Change. After that we're going to come back and we're going to apply it to your situation. So today we're going to look at one of my favourite subjects, uh, change. Uh, change is here to stay and um, you know, it's said that some people like change and some people don't like change. I have a slightly different perspective. In my experience, people like change when they're in control of it. They don't like change when it's being done to them. So this is a great exercise for you, especially if you've got uh, some ideas and you have a team and you want to get the team involved in bringing whatever that change is. So uh, most of the ideas that I uh, kind of come up with um, are my ideas and, and I create them, but this one is different. Uh, this is uh, an idea, the force field of change, as I call it. The force field is an idea of Kurt Levine. And he was a great guy who had some great ideas. I think this is really helpful. If you want to maybe share some vision and then you're trying to get a few people to have a real sense of ownership. Because that's the problem is it's very difficult to bring change when people feel like it's being done to them and they're not involved. So this is a way you can involve them and it gives you some really practical steps of things you can do. So I'm going to go through this with you. So um, for most of us, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring momentum, we're trying to move people forward, aren't we? And yet we're sometimes held in between two kind of invisible forces that just kind of hold us in place. And I guess those two invisible forces uh, are the things that move us forward and the things that move us backwards or the things that resist, that force of resistance. So what do you do about that? Well, the first step is this. What you want to do is you want to begin to identify the things that are moving you forward, the things that could help move you to this next change. Uh, and the way you do that is you simply draw arrows. Now, I'm not great at drawing arrows, but here we go. So you draw an arrow, you think of something, and then you label it. Maybe it's a person. Maybe one of the great things that you've got in your pocket is you've got someone who's a great visionary, maybe it's you, and who has this charismatic nature, uh, and that person's helping you move forward. Maybe um, you've got some really cool resources, uh, and you want to name what that, uh, that resource is. Maybe it's a set, a set of videos, maybe it's some kind of documentary, maybe it's some kind of film that's inspiring, uh, maybe it's some kind of finance, who knows what it might be. Uh, you may um, have... Um, something really beneficial, which is that the, the history of your organisation, uh, the, the bigger picture, um, the history kind of backs up where you're going, that this is kind of like the next obvious step. It's, it's logical. So maybe logic is on your side. And you can just write logic uh, next to this particular arrow. So you as a team, you want to get your team thinking, what are the specific things that are helping us, moving us forward? You want to try and avoid big conceptual things and you want to try and put very specific tangible things uh, things resources people whatever it might be name things as they are now the, the next step of this is kind of obvious uh, what you want to do next is this you want to then think well what are the things that are working against us so again 
maybe there's just one person who's a little bit kind of like set in their ways, they're a key influential person, and they're really just not sure about this. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've got something that's really helpful, maybe you've got huge financial backing, that, um, sorry, maybe you've not got huge financial backing, so maybe that's a major problem. You know, this, this thing costs money and you don't have money, so you've got this, this big thing. Now what you're noticing here when you put these arrows up is you change the size of them because you want to identify not just what's helping you and what's hindering you, you want to identify also how big a thing that is, how influential is that. And the way you depict that is by the size of the arrow. So eventually you're going to have all sorts of arrows of different sizes and you're going to label these things. We're going to know what those things actually are. Now, here's the great thing about the force field of change. One, it shows people that you're trying to lead, that there are obstacles, and that you know about those obstacles. One of the myths about visionaries, I think, is that they just don't see the problem. Uh, in my experiences, visionaries see the problem before anybody else even knows there's a problem. Uh, and they've they just balanced it out and they thought about it and thought we can get past that. But that's not helpful to everybody. People need to know that you can see that there are obstacles. So this helps. But the second thing that's really important for you to communicate is this. Hey, we don't need to get rid of all the problems. We don't need to get rid of all the obstacles. We've just got to find the tipping point. We've got to find that place where the positives just just drown out and overwhelm the negatives. And this is how you do it. So you don't want a huge amount of arrows, maybe you've got maybe 10 on each side. What you wanna do then is think, okay, how do we increase the influence of the positive arrows and how do we decrease the influence of the negative arrows in a really practical, tangible way? So what you're trying to do now, essentially, is you're trying to create a kind of a kind of to-do list of real practical small steps. Most change doesn't come by just one big thing. It's lots and lots of steps that add weight to the movement forward and chip away at the negativity. So let's say you've got a person, let's say, and this person's charismatic. You might ask the question, what can we do to increase the influence of that person? Maybe we can record, I don't know, a, a series of videos where that person talks about this great change. What can we, what can we do that's going to increase the influence of that person? You may have much better ideas than me about how to do that. But what you want to do is you want to think about the idea, you want to add it to your list, and you want to increase the arrow so people can start to see, okay, we've got some things going for us. Um, the logic of it, maybe what you want to do is think, you know, the stats are on our side. The, the statisticians, they would tell us this is a good thing to do. So maybe think what we're going to do is we're going to get somebody to go out and then research and compile a list of stats and, and diagrams because they may not turn some people on, but they really help other people. And we're going to, we're going to put that on our to-do list. One of our team members is going to go out there and present some kind of logical reason why this works. It may be some kind of resource, wherever it might be, you think, what is the practical thing we can do? And then, again, really obviously, what you can be doing 
is you can be thinking, okay, so how do we now begin to decrease the negativities? Now, okay, you might have a name here. I'm not suggesting you think, let's hire an assassin. Okay, that's not really what I'm, I'm proposing here. But maybe somebody just needs to spend a little bit of time with this person, just helping them and maybe getting them to think about you know, the way they're behaving or, or maybe help them with their fears. Maybe somebody just needs to spend a bit of time because that's somebody we just need to spend a little bit of time with. Um, maybe there's an issue with uh, finances. So maybe you need to think, well, rather than money, is there another way we can do this? Is there another kind of resource? Rather than paying for it, can we beg or borrow the thing that we need? And, and again, begin to start chopping away at some of these arrows. So eventually what you've got is a real practical to-do list of things you've increased the benefits and you've somehow neutralised some of the negatives. You're not trying to get rid of all the negatives and just have positives. You're looking for some kind of overwhelming force. So practically, this really works. There's a number of benefits to this. First of all, uh, it gives people ownership. Secondly, it shows people, you as a visionary are aware of the problems. It gives them a chance, thirdly, to tell you of problems that you weren't aware of. Fourthly, it helps you help them understand that, you know what, we don't have to get rid of all the problems. We just need to overwhelm them. Fifthly, it gives them a chance to come up with ideas. Sixthly, it gets them involved because not only coming up with the idea, they might go away and do some of this stuff with you. So I think this is a really great exercise. Try it out, especially if you've got a team of people. I think you're going to find it quite fun and quite interesting. And as though it may seem a little bit dry, you're going to find actually it quite motivates people and it gets them involved. Hopefully this is helpful. Please, um, like I say, subscribe to the channel. Um, there's going to be lots of other different hacks and newses about change uh, that are really going to help you put them in your toolkit to make the world a better place. Thanks for listening. Great. Okay, so um, hope that was helpful to you. Just as an aside, if you're interested, uh, I do have this YouTube channel and there's lots of practical ideas for all manner of things to do with leadership. There'll be different hacks and muses, ideas about change and bringing change that aren't even mentioned in these Livewire series. So feel free to subscribe. But let's look at our workshop based on uh, the force field of change. So first, please create your own force field of change. So download the sheet and then ask, where are we going? Now, as I said just before, when you think about where are we going, I have a particular um, hack that might be helpful for that if you want to look at it later on. It's called mirror signal maneuver. Um, but first of all, ask the question, where are we going? Then what is moving us forward? and what is holding us back. Create arrows depicting both and size them according to how influential they are. And then create your to-do list. So you'll have a sheet in front of you. I'd like you to essentially create your own force field. Have the arrows uh, both going forward and resisting. Name those things. And then just simply do what I, I talked about in the hack in the YouTube video simply begin to make a list of things you can do to diminish the, the influence of the resistant arrows and increase the influence of the positive moving you forward kind of arrows. Hopefully that'll be really effective and helpful. And then afterwards, I'm gonna come and fill in some gaps uh, by giving you some very practical ways 
to bring change. Okay, so um, hopefully that was a helpful exercise uh, and maybe again what it's doing is beginning to remind you of the issues you've got but also reminding you of some of the uh, tools you have at your dis uh, disposal whether they're people or situations or resources. What we're going to look at now is how to effectively use those tools uh, to move yourself forward. So some simple practical ideas that can really help you effect change. Let's go through a list of these what's, the things you can actually do. Number one, go for short reversible steps. When you go to the seaside, you'll probably notice that not everybody, but most people uh, put their toes in first. Not everybody runs and jumps in, only the crazy ones. Uh, you're gonna find that with change as well, it's similar. Most people will go with you, go along the journey, if they know they're short reversible steps and it's not an all or nothing. The more you make this a all or nothing, the more difficult it's gonna be for you. So when you're sharing vision, think through, are there ways that we can step-by-step -step take people through this? Little ways that they can put their toes in first. Number two, spoil them for anything else. So one of the reasons that people don't change is because they're pretty much happy with what they've already got. So, you know, this is what they're doing and you want them to change and you show them this, but they're quite happy with this. So what you have to do is you have to give them an experience of this. Let me give an example. Many years ago, I was helping a church that had a children's ministry and it was as low as somebody had worked out what is the most inefficient way of using everybody's time. And everybody had to do everything themselves in all separate sections. And it wasn't very imaginative, wasn't exciting for the, for the children. So I had seen and experienced and led children's ministry difference uh, in a different way. And um, it was just more powerful. I'd seen it done better in other places. And as much as I told the children's workers, hey, why don't we do it this way? They, they were just happy they'd been doing it this way for years. It wasn't until one day I had the idea of taking them on a special trip somewhere else and got, gave them a meal and we did some fun things together and they saw it done differently. When they came back, they actually pestered me and said, hey Paul, why don't we do it like that? I think they'd actually forgotten the thing I'd said in the first place. And um, they actually convinced me, it, it was great. So sometimes you have to think through, how can I spoil somebody for anything less than the thing, uh, the change, the, the place I want to take them to? Number three, time is your friend. So there's a couple of things to mention here. Um, as a general rule, the more time between when you're preparing people for change and you actually make the change, the better it's gonna be. Um, a lot of changes are good changes. People may even want them, but they're rushed. Uh, there are different personality types and some people need a lot more time to understand and process an idea than maybe you do. So um, there's kind of three stages to this. The first stage is you lay down principles and you share what could be. Uh, that's the time when people begin to come to you and they start to feel unhappy with the way things are. That's what you want. The second stage is when you say, therefore, because of these principles, we're gonna to start to do this, or we're gonna go there, or we're gonna do this in this particular way. And then the final section, the third section, is when you actually make the change. 
The more time you can give to those first two, as a general rule, the better it's going to be. Number four, vision cast with variety. Very simple. You want to share the vision, share your ideas for change as often as you possibly can, but in many, many different ways. Uh, the idea that you can just share vision once at the beginning of a year uh, and then leave it is crazy. You have to share vision constantly, constantly reminding people of why you're about to do something and what you're about to do and how you're about to do it. But what you don't want to do is say it in the same way. So you want to use stories, you want to use videos, you want to use testimonies, you want to put up stats, you want to put up charts, you want to show pictures and videos, you want to share the same thing but in many different ways. The more you can do that, the more likely you're going to succeed. Number five, find sticky tools. So communication is best when it is simple but not shallow. Um, so previously we talked about how to make sure it's not shallow. You say lots of different things, uh, you layer it, giving uh, different information in different ways. But all that information needs to be hung on one simple theme. And that theme can be a statement, it can be some form of uh, illustration or picture or diagram. But you want to think of a simple, um, a simple way of explaining your idea for change that you can just reiterate lots of times um, by finding sticky tools, things that make things stick. Think of a statement that sums up the change that's easy to remember, kind of cool, or, or some kind of picture that illustrates it really well. Number six is incredibly important. Show the context within the overall vision. The best kind of change is not seen as change, it's seen as the next step. Um, if you look in the Bible, you can look, you look at um, the story of Joshua, uh, we talked about before, you look at Paul the Apostle, you look at Peter just after uh, the Holy Spirit falls, you listen to Jesus, um, a lot of what Moses said, before they brought change, they went backwards. So I have this little frame, uh, this little saying, in fact, it's, it's hung up right now on my wall. It says, the further you pull back the bowstrings, the longer the arrow flies. So don't share vision without sharing history. If you can show that your vision is in context of the bigger vision that people have already bought into, you're going to much more likely uh, see change. So let's say um, you're going to bring some kind of change in your church. The reason I'm saying that is many of us go to church, so it's a it's a common uh, metaphor that we can use. Um, if it looks like you're going to be a completely different direction from everything God said to you before, that's going to raise a few eyebrows. If you can show people how this is just a next step of, you know, the reason that church was pioneered in the first place, and you can connect the dots for people, much more likely to buy into what you're about to do. But like I say, just check out any of the Bible heroes that shared vision and you'll notice that um, they went back first before they went forward. They wanted to show this is the next step. Finally, and this is yet another great tip, celebrate anything successful that relates to the change you're about to make. So I think this is hugely important and um, I think any good leader who knows how to bring change intuitively knows this, but for some of us, we have to learn it. Let's say you've got a particular change you want to bring. So I'm going to use, again, a metaphor of a church. So let's talk about home groups. 
it's a church and you want to start home groups and you want to put people in home groups, let's say for the sake of argument, that's for pastoral care. That's your main purpose, it's for pastoral care. Then what I would do on a, on a typical uh, Sunday morning, if that's when you have church, is I would often, for weeks, constantly bring up stories that relate to home groups, things that have happened in a home group. Maybe you've already got a test case already. Um, one of the ideas about bringing change, which I'm not really going to talk about today, is rather than changing everything, if you can do short reversible steps, you can sometimes just bring in, you know, if you're going to try and do home groups across the church, maybe just one place or two places, two parts of the community where you trial home groups. So let's say you've got something going and there's already some way of tasting this kind of change. Then what you would do is you would highlight each Sunday something that happens that relates to home groups. So you hear if somebody gets healed in a home group, I'd bring them on stage or I'd shoot a video about it or I'd get them to read out their story or I'd read out their story for them if they're nervous about talking or I'd interview somebody. But I would highlight what happened and of course where it happened. Maybe somebody was led to the Lord through a home group. Maybe a home group did something really fantastic for their community. I would celebrate things that relate to where we're going. And what I would do less of is celebrating other things, which sounds odd, but otherwise it's just gonna be lost in white noise. So I actually, for a season, will think, let's just celebrate this particular thing and as many examples of this as we possibly can. So again, a simple thing we wanna promote, but not shallow, give lots of examples of it. Okay, so let's look at our final workshop, which has some really practical advice for you. I call it a checklist for change. There's some questions on the downloaded sheets that you really need to ask yourself before you start your journey. So as you look at these questions, simply check the box, whether it's a yes, an unsure, or a no. So this checklist for change is really powerful because it, it, in a different way, gives you some practical steps and things to think through before you make a change. If you've got more than one no or unsure, I would suggest you might not be ready yet to make that change. So it's a great checklist. If you can check off all those things, then I would suggest you're ready to go. Uh, hopefully it'll be really helpful to you and um, hopefully this uh, Joshua Ship series has been beneficial, especially if you've been doing it as a team together. I'll speak to you next time. Bye.